Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. I ain't gonna lie to you. Sometimes theologizing like I do is difficult. There are stories and passages in the Bible that make it harder for me to conceptualize a God who is committed to wholeness. Some stories make it hard to think of God as loving. We put that out on the table right here, right now. It's not as though I read the Bible and just see love everywhere automatically. Sometimes I have to work at this by understanding that a commitment to wholeness doesn't always feel that way. Now, some of that is because we need to recognize the importance of perspective. I'll give you an example. I love my family. And because I love my family, there are times that I will protect to make sure that I'm fully accessible and available to them above everything else. And sometimes that means I won't be as active on social media or the content creation schedule, whatever that looks like. Now, if you happen to be in my family, you will understand that that is an action driven by my commitment to wholeness, driven out of love. But if you're not in my family, if you happen to be somebody who's waiting on whatever the next project to drop is, it might feel as though I am disconnected, that I'm disinterested, that I no longer care about that which brings you joy. And so our idea and understanding of love, of this commitment to wholeness is often shaped and impacted by our perspective and how we encounter and experience these stories and actions. My perspective is limited. So some of these stories in the Bible are hard for me. And I know it's not just me. I've spoken to enough people to know that some of these stories are a major obstacle, if not the main obstacle, standing between somebody coming to belief in a God that is loving. Now, I'm not talking about the problem of evil here. I'm not talking about how do we reconcile an all-powerful and all-loving divine presence in light of the reality of evil. That's another conversation. I'm talking about stories in which it seems as though God is the perpetrator of an injustice or grave situation that we would have a difficult time understanding as loving. And so if we're committed to this season, exploring love as an act of liberation and love being defined as the commitment to wholeness, it will be an act of cowardice if I never addressed any of these instances. If I never looked at the story arc of God as presented in the Bible, if I didn't wrestle with these, I'd be ducking the smoke. And if you know anything about Trey, you know I ain't never scared. So let's get into one of these examples. Now, if you have been a longtime listener of the New Living Translation, I need to warn you right now. The passage of scripture you're about to hear, you've heard before. Matter of fact, even if you ain't been a longtime translation listener, you've heard this story before. But if you have been listening the whole way through, you've even heard me translate this story right here. But before I tell you what it is, I need to set the stage. I'm going to call this episode Love in the Flood because I am still a worldly man 
and as I was putting this together, I thought of that Usher song that love in this club, in this club. Now we talking about love in the flood. But anyway, without any further ado, we're going to have us some bona fide Bible talk about Genesis chapter six, starting at around the ninth verse. We're going to work our way all the way through chapter eight, verse 21, talking about Noah in the flood. And I want to show you how God's love is present in the communication of this story. Let's get into it. Here's the story of Noah and his family. Noah was a good dude, just about the only one of them left. He was serious about his relationship with God. Now, God saw that the people was tripping, big time. Creation, this beautiful utopia, had become corrupted over the generations. People were exploiting each other, killing each other. There was no community, only the self. And God saw that. So God tells Noah that it's time to hit the reset button. My mind is made. I'm sick of this. I'm about to turn the whole world off and turn it back on again. Set it in some rights for a little bit. I'm going to airdrop you some instructions, some dimensions for this boat I need you to build. Like, basically, it's about to rain like you ain't never seen. And if you don't build this boat, you're getting lost with everything else in the reboot. Think of this boat like a external hard drive. You feel me? Everything on the external hard drive is getting uploaded after the reboot. So you might want to bring your wife and your sons and their wives in. Like two of every animal. Don't worry about finding the animals, though. They're going to come to you. Make sure it's a male and a female of each animal, though. Otherwise, y'all going to be crammed up into that sneaky boat for no reason. Also, bring like 14 of every animal y'all plan on eating, because I'm warning you right now. If y'all get hungry and barbecue something in the extinction, I'm going to be pissed. So Noah did all of that. He just like did it because he believed that that's what God said. Noah got his wife and his sons and their wives and a whole bunch of animals. And he went on to this boat that he just built in the middle of the desert. And they just stayed there. Nothing even happened for a week. It was just gathered around this petting zoo and a do-it-yourself yacht on dry land for a whole week before it even rained. But then it rained <laughs> a lot. They moved the whole family. Noah, his wife, his three sons, their wives, and the whole daggone zoo onto this boat in a rain for 40 days, nonstop, major flooding. And the only folks safe was the ones who got in the boat. Now, this flood lasted for half a year before things started to change. But they didn't get off the boat right away. Noah was cautious with it. He sent birds to check on the conditions. It was weeks and weeks after the flood started receding before Noah even looked outside for himself. And even after that, another couple months before the earth was dry enough. Finally, God told Noah to lead a boat. All right, Noah, the reboot is finished. Y'all let them animals go and then you get off the boat. Well, I guess the reboot ain't finished, finished yet. Got one more thing I need y'all to do. Go ahead and get busy, get busy if you catch my drift. So they left the boat. And Noah builds this 
altar in this barbecue pit and he makes an offering to God and they christen the reboot with this big old cookout. God's pleased with the sin of this offering and this cookout. So God says, I'm not doing no more reboots. I don't care how raggedy these folks start acting. I'm going to work with this version. Off rip, we got a problem with this story. The same God who created everything out of love to work in unison with each other just five chapters earlier in this Bible of ours has decided a few chapters later that this is all a mistake and it's time to get rid of everything. And if you're looking at this story like a newspaper clipping or an actual CNN news report, this presents a problem because it means that there were children and infants wiped away in this flood. Children and infants that are not actually mentioned in this story. They are implied, perhaps. It's safe to assume that they were included in this flood, but this story is not really about assumptions. It's about what is actually being communicated. So I want to invite you to experience this story not as though it were journalism or a package on the nightly news, but a theological story telling you about God's relationship with the people of God. Because here's one of the assumptions that I think we often let go unexamined in this. I mentioned at the front end of this episode that the way that we experience love is often guided by our perspective and our relationship. And it's important to consider the fact that the people experiencing this story originally, the people sharing this story, the people telling this story would be descendants of Noah, the righteous man in the flood. And according to their telling of this story, everybody who exists is descended from that righteous man, a righteous man who God chose to save in this flood among a sea of wicked people. Genesis 6 tells us that God looks at the creation of God and sees that it's filled with violence, that people cannot exist in safety in this creation. And that tears the heart of God. And if God is committed to the wholeness of creation, then God has to respond. So the question becomes, if God is committed to the wholeness of creation and God sees that creation has become corrupted by the actions of people who are not in community with God, who are not concerned with what God would have them do in any given situation, how does God need to respond? If you've never known what it is to be defenseless, helpless, if you've never known what it is to be the target of violence with nobody to step in on your part and completely powerless to stop anything from being enacted on you, then perhaps it's difficult to understand a loving God stepping in and moving on your behalf, even violently. It's interesting to consider that to this date, the bloodiest war in the history of the United States of America was the Civil War. And that it was this war that is still the bloodiest war in the history of our nation that brought freedom to all of the enslaved peoples across the United States. Many of the formerly enslaved people view this war as an act of God's liberation proof that God loved them and had heard their cries. And it is their perspective 
that framed their understanding of this story. And so it's important to wrestle with these stories as they are given to us. The violence that is condemned in this story, that is used in contrast to Noah, this righteous man, was not made up out of whole cloth. The people conveying this story were intimately familiar with some things. So from their perspective, this flood is an act of love, an act of deliverance. When they found themselves defenseless, God was their defender. And while it might look like an overreaction from the outside, these people found love in the flood. A God who was so committed to their wholeness that this creator was willing to hit the reset button on creation in order for them to experience life in fullness. When you encounter this story from a Christian perspective, Christianity has baked the reality of death into our very theology and that death is actually the pathway to life, meaning that God's deliverance comes from stripping away that which prevents us from being whole to the point where even the Christian rite of baptism, particularly if you practice immersion, is a picture of dying <laughs> in the waters and being raised to life in Jesus. And so if you understand what it's like to live life with your back against the wall, you might be able to find love in the flood. Let me pray with you. Almighty God, help us to understand the many ways that you have moved on our behalf, even as we struggle to wrap our minds around them. And when we still can't understand nothing, help us to trust you anyway. In Jesus' name. Amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, Black Men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. Like, I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time, though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar. <laughs>